We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. I'm Nechami, founder of Defiance Beauty by Nechami, a natural, high-performance beauty brand that is dedicated to celebrating diversity, empowerment, and inclusivity in the world of beauty. This podcast supports our mission of giving a voice and visibility to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect all of us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. This week's episode features Dr. Hasia Bokto, Dr. B, who is a beloved psychologist, and I've been following her on Instagram for a while. Love her post, and I am so excited for you to hear what we discussed in this episode. So Dr. B shares what inspired her to become a psychologist at 16 years old, and how her family dynamic contributed to her personality and her career choice. She also spoke about the messages we should be sharing with our children and ourselves during traumatic and stressful times in the world, and spoke about how to communicate what's going on with our children during times of heaviness and fear. Dr. B also spoke about the importance of taking care of ourselves on an emotional and mental level during these trying times. We ended off with Dr. B sharing what beauty means to her on a personal level and advice for women who feel invisible. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode, listen in, and be inspired. I think what you see is what you get. Um, I'm the oldest of four, and I think that that has definitely created kind of part of my personality. Um, I think I was kind of trying to um, help take the lead and just kind of um, be um, in charge um, early on. Um, I've always been driven to be helpful, to reach my potential, but also like I love fun things and like that artistic flair has, you know, kind of created I'm from a family of women who have like an artistic edge in their fashion and how they, how they present themselves and the importance of kind of like having the internal and the external type of thing. Um, I can't say I'm the life of the party for sure not. I'm definitely more thoughtful and cerebral, but I like to experience and to have a good time and um, and to do it within a small network of people. I don't need many people. I love my family, my friends. If you're part of my group and my even my patients know this, like I'm going to take it to the nth degree. But so if that's my energy, then I can't do it with the whole wide world. It's nice. But as long as you're under my wing, I'm going to give you my best. And I think that that's pretty much I've been that way always. Right. First of all, I just want to say that I'm also the oldest of four. So I can relate to that, (laughs) Uh, taking care of the younger kids and being that person. Uh, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, just from seeing you on social, that's actually how we met. Right. And I I and we mentioned this before we started recording. I could tell how much you really love the children and how much the children love you because you do have that playful, fun side, but also I could that warmth and depth that a child psychologist would, you know, that would be ideal for a child psychologist, really. I could tell you that I wanted to be a child psychologist since I was 16. You know, I, I do a lot of counseling of adults and, and, and teenagers and like to help them to find what they're passionate about. And I don't know, I guess it's just a gift that I was given that I found my passion early on. 
And I can safely say that I have loved every element of being a psychologist for a really long time. I went head first into it and I've been a psychologist in private practice for like almost 20, you know, over 20 years. And I, I still feel as passionate about it. Like it's a really big gift to really love what you do. And I think it just incorporates like all the elements, like we were saying, to take charge, to problem solve, to have this sensitivity, to work with people, to be giving, but also to use your brain power to come up with like what the issue is, the connections, and then how you're going to solve it and work with people on it in a way that they want to hear. And not just like, you know, like all those things together. I love what I do and I hope that it comes across, but it's a gift. Not everybody goes to work and loves what they do. And I really take it as well. Like I'm lucky and I, and I feel very, you know, very fortunate about that. And, and it's nice. And it, I hope that it gives off like that quality because it would be a shame because like I said, I think it's a really, it's a big gift that, you know, to be able to have that element of like, you know, to your profession. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Not many people could say that. And I mean, I'm not your patient, but I could definitely tell you from social, it seems like you love what you do. So it comes across that way. But, but you know what I think passionate people and I, you know, like when you're passionate, that type of person, then it comes across in like in everything or, you know, in in multiple areas. So um, definitely high energy. And I can tell you no caffeine, and like, there's like nothing, it's, it's all organic, but we wake up, we're a morning person, we go to bed, we're a night person. There's just like a lot of energy, so. <laughs> That's awesome, for sure. So when you were 16, how did you decide that you wanted to become a psychologist? Like what inspired you? Okay, so I had a really great AP psychology teacher and I was one of those students that like really tried to work hard, um, but the, the subject matter resonated. like. It was understanding human nature. And then it was also under, like, there's a lot of science. And then there's a lot of, like, um, you know, social piece. And then there's, you know, statistics. And everything together just really just spoke to my brain in so many different ways. And then through, I took on a lot of, like, experiences. I, I volunteered in researches. I, I volunteered in hospitals. I volunteered in schools. Like, and I really got a very well-rounded understanding of what psychology was like early on so that when I went right into a doctorate and it was, it's a long haul, like it's a, you have to be, you have to be passionate about it. Um, I had experiences to pull from and it just, it just kept resonating with me. Um, and in my practice too, like I do a lot of different things within the practice. I don't just do therapy with children, but I also do with adults and I do groups and I do like, I train professionals. I think it's just because this type of thought, like it resonates and it, it really, it's it, like I said, I just, I enjoy it. And, um, and possibly like, maybe I could have been a little bit more flexible in choosing something, you know, you go to college and you're supposed to try out other things, but I was like, no, I'm going <laughs> to minor in something, but like my major is psychology. And so, yeah, so many years later, still psychology. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Like when you find that thing that works for you and that you're passionate about, I mean, it's such a blessing. But psychology really impacts on everything. It impacts on how you treat other people in your, in your regular relationships and how you, you know, how you're able to function in the world with like what's going on in the, you know, even in the quality of how you dress and how you look and how you present yourself, how you, you know, view everything. So I think it's, it happens to be that it's a very, useful and productive, you know, um, 
profession as well. It's not like, okay, you're in accounting. So like, this is your little niche, but it, it, it allows me to, you know, interplay a lot of that in, you know, in variety of, um, of, uh, of areas. Like I was just in a school today, so I'm using it in there. And then we did, you know, I did family work in the morning. There's there, like it, 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 it it's very useful and universal. So for yeah. sure. For sure. It's interesting though, because I I've seen on social that you're very passionate about helping children with anxiety and ADHD, right? Right. Yeah. So where did that come from? So first of all, I just find that, you know, you, certain certain people and certain types of problems kind of resonate more. So I've always been interested in wounded anxiety. I even did my dissertation on that. Um, I spent a lot of time in uh, hospitals and schools and, and working among with mentors who are like ex really, really good at what they were doing. And so it just, it, it's been helpful. And I think that everything in life, when you get positive feedback, like, wow, I help that person. Then it reinforces, okay, like, let's go for another, let's do it again. You know, I remember early on in my training, I actually, like I went with a patient to the airport because she was afraid of flying. And we had worked on it forever. And then when the plane took off, now normally I want to be on the vacation. Why do I want to watch the plane? But I remember feeling like this is what it's about. Like, wow, how empowering. Like we got her on the plane and she took off. Right. Uh, so yeah, so like, I think that it's just, you know, it's, it's a nice feeling to be able to be helpful. And when it comes to, you know, certain, you know, certain types of people, um, you know, I think that just the anxious and the ADHD population just has been something that I've been working on for a very, very long time. Um, I also like the underdog, you know, I, I like to, you know, to help that person. And so I see so many of that in the classrooms and in families. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great feeling to be able to, you know, to be helpful in that way and to empower. Um, my job isn't to like, save somebody, it's empower them so that they can go on their way and they can do what they can. And it's nice that I have a protocol and ways that I do that. So, so far, so good. Absolutely. Yes. And also, I love that your advice is also applicable for adults. Yeah. It's always fun yeah. to read it and be like, oh, that's such a good idea. Like, let me try that, you know? So I think that like life is very complicated. And I think one of the things I try to do my practice to make it more simple, I have a lot of mnemonics or acronyms, you know, very like basic stuff. And even just in, in understanding some of the very difficult issues, but breaking it down so that the other person can understand it more simply is, is really helpful. You know, my dad always said when I, um, when I used to go on, on dates, he'd be like, okay, you know that someone really knows what they do when they can give it over to you in a simple way and you understand what they do. Yes. You're like, yeah, I'm a lawyer. And then and I'm like, okay, that guy's got no, like, no, no, no. Success is not written on his name. You know, like, so, so that I think that when you can break it down more simply, then that really just shows a certain level of understanding. And if the person can have it, then it's a win-win. Um, but that, that's my job. So a lot of what I do is simple and simple could go with, you know, adults and children and, and in all relationships. Um, so, you know, that's part of the practice. Yes, for sure. I agree with you. It's so funny because I remember always thinking about that exact thing when it came in, in grad school, 
when professors could explain a concept at such a simple level, when it was a difficult concept, those were the best professors because you could actually understand it. And it's like so simple, even though it's not, you know what I mean? Right, 100%. And I think it makes a huge difference. Um, and especially like, and that could be for all ages. Uh, a lot of relationship building tips and tools or, or ways that you handle anything could really apply to lots of populations and lots of ages. The truth is my age range in my office is really extreme. I go from three-year-old, like I can do a lot of the little ones, to like up and up and up, you know, through really adulthood. It's funny. It's like um, patients ask me all the time, so Dr. B, like if I'm seeing you in a supermarket, are you going to say hi to me? So I really go with the vibe that the other person gives. I think that that's, you know, first of all, it's case by case. I generally like they know how happy I am for them, but I like to set my boundaries in a certain way that like I am yours in the office and hopefully like you'll, my ideas will resonate with you that you can take me theoretically out, but like, no, um, I, I, I keep very, very, very clear boundaries. Maybe sometimes too much, you know, like too much so, but I, I feel strongly that, um, that boundaries are important, but if it's pair and I've had so many patients, especially over Yantif where I was in Israel and I had like, I don't know, six patients at the same place that I was staying. And so, so like there were some, they're like, Dr. B, hi, come on over. I want to introduce you to my grandmother. <laughs> and there were others that are like, like that. So, you know, it doesn't take a genius to be able to see, you know, which one and, and, and where I'm going to actually, you know, be relating to them in public. But I, I really do take, you know, take stock of what they're up to and, and, and how they present when, when they see me in public before I, you know, even step into that arena. For sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. Where where uh, do you practice from? So I have a practice in Woodmere, New York and Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. And but I yeah, but I literally zoom and I'm not technological. Um, <laughs> but I zoom like all throughout the world actually. I have a lot of patients that are in seminary for the year in Israel. Um, so um, I've become a little bit good at like, you know, the plus seven hour thing. Um, and, um, and like, again, all throughout, all throughout the world. So Zoom has been a nice platform. I, I've been introduced to it, like, you know, like the rest of the world. Um, but, but my base is, is in Woodmere. Got it. So speaking of Israel, let's go right into it. Um, right now we're obviously dealing with a very traumatic, stressful time and we're not releasing this episode until probably next week. So maybe things will get better by then. That'd be amazing. Um, but I would love to hear from you about messages that we should be sending our children during this very, very stressful time. And really ourselves. We can start with children or however you want to take it. Right. So I, I think a few things. So the first is the messages we shouldn't be sent, right? Um, and I hate to be the downer in the negative, but I think that as a parent and um, as a person, unless you know the um, the IDF needs us for intelligent purposes, we should be really limiting how much how much social media about the situation and how much even just just regular um, news experience that we get. It is overwhelming and bombarding to have too much information and the the, the gory and the types and. The, what I call the wow factor of some of the information, you can't get out of your head once it goes in and it's really, really unsafe. So let's first 
filter a little bit more. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, we're to the point where you're in the dark ages and you don't know. But I often recommend maybe two to three times a day check in just to make sure that you're abreast of the situation. Um, but get off of some of these other like very, very off-putting and gory and uh, terrorizing um, uh, platforms. They're, they're not healthy and they're, they're certainly not productive. Like I said, unless the IDF needs you for intelligent purposes, because then you need to know every little nuance and every little gory detail. But many of us, I, you know, that's not my role. Um, so, you know, I think that that's the first thing. The second thing is that what is our role? So, you know, we want to feel um, the, the anti-anxiety experience is that we want to feel that we can do something about it and that we can get back to some level of um, just calm within ourselves. And that comes from being proactive. I think it's really important as a, on yourself and as a parent to really be saying, okay, we're going to create a some level of consistency within the inconsistent. And, and to do that, let's reach out, you know, on some level to be helpful. I'm all about helping. I think helping takes away from the anxiety of self because you're no longer focused just on self and it helps to let, and you put it out on somebody else. So it really is important. How can I be productive? How can I be helpful? Now, some people feel like they have to just be packaging. Okay, I'm going to package, I'm going to give charity, I'm going to, but I'm finding that really, first of all, like if you care, that's important. Like feel like emotionally the message that you send is I care. I'm with that person. And then do something, whatever it is, to suggest that you're with them. So like I said, I'm not going to be called on by the IDF. If they gave me a gun, I probably would do like more damage than good. <laughs> I do know that I want to be helpful. So I can be helpful by being a nicer person in my interpersonal relations. I can be helpful by taking on, you know, praying or, or just thinking about somebody else. Like as long as I do something proactive in my day and I'm saying I'm being proactive because I care, then I'm taking back the control because now I'm doing something. The third thing is that these life situations can really send negative messages. And I feel like once a day, or twice a day, you have to just get out of that zone and feel positive. Think positive. I wish it to be like this. I'm thinking about like what life will be like when we pass all this or what it would be like. Like the more positive message that you send to yourself, the more you can combat all the negative like what ifs and doubts and 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 hesitations that people have. So I think it's good to be proactive. I think it's good to be positive. And I think it's good to be in the predicament, to feel like you're part of it on some level and whatever that level might be. There's some people that it resonates with because they know personally, like real people. And then there's some of us that are very fortunate. We don't know like who it is, but we just feel like on a global level, like, okay, so we want to feel part of the predicament, but we don't want in any way, shape or form to like get bogged down in it where there's where it's all about that. And, you know, the other piece is balance. And you know this in, in everything. When there's a balance, then you can think rationally, you can think calmly, and you can find like where you even to put yourself, you know, um, in beauty, for example, right? Like if, if, if you put on too much makeup, like then the makeup does the talking and like that's not good. 
But if you put on too little makeup, then, you know, if you're a certain age, you need some of that makeup. And it's not going to go well for you either. So it's really like a happy balance. I feel like with what's going on in the world, we can't get bogged down to the point where like we're depressed and we can't move past it, even though it's so scary and sad. We have to find happiness and joy and, and regular routine. But by the same token, God forbid, should something big happen to like the people that we're a part of or just people in general and for us not to be affected and for us not to do something about it. So I think it's a nice balance. And I think that it's on an individual level or on a family level to know where are we in this balance? Where do we have to shift a little bit more? Where do we have to think as parents? Like maybe we should talk about it a little bit more because our kids don't seem to be affected. Or maybe as a balance, we should be talking about it a little bit less and doing our own personalizing and like not doing it much because my kid's not sleeping at night and I can see that like maybe we've gone a little bit over. So finding an appropriate balance, I think is really key in every family. And there's not a, a a one fit answer for everybody. I think it's more like on an individualized level. And if you can't come up with that balance, you ask for help. You get, you know, you can either it could resonate with a professional or a, you know, or or a friend. Like, but balance is so essential, especially when life brings the imbalance and you know and the chaos. For sure, for sure. So what do you do though, let if your child saw something, let's say, or overheard and is currently feeling very scared? Like what would you what would you tell the kid? Right. So I think that first of all, communication is key, which means you want your kid to be able to feel comfortable enough to tell you, you know, like this is what happened. Like yeah. I saw that. And sometimes just by talking it out, you know, it it makes a huge impact. And it, it just, it lets the ideas start to flow out of the head, right? Like if they're stuck and they talk it out, what I would do in my practice, if I see that a kid is really, really having a difficult time, like with, you know, a, a concept is I would try to help them to what I call change the channel. And what does that mean? So right now your brain created a horror story. So that's one channel, not the channel that I necessarily would have chosen. I may have chosen a comedy. So let's take some of that information and let's try to shift it into a different dialogue, add a little element of this and that to try to like just minimize the extent and how bad of a horror it is. Other times you, again, you make sure that the child is not watching that stuff anymore. So like you don't have to keep on putting more fuel in the fire, more fuel in the fire. And, um, and, and being able to, uh, time sometimes also allows for it to happen where, you know, okay, so the first day it was very scary, but then, uh, it, you know, feelings are like clouds. They, they come and they go and they pass. So over time, sometimes it just like, it, it lessens itself. Um, sometimes a child because, or an adult, because they aren't sleeping well, um, everything is magnified. And I find that sleep is really, really important. So focusing on helping the child to sleep well, like to have a couple of nights or just even one good night's sleep could help to just start to make the system go down a little bit. Um, or to, if it really gets extreme, to speak to a professional. And sometimes a child could be, if a child is demonstrating a lot of symptoms of having trauma, then it would be a good idea for them to work it through in therapy. It doesn't have to be a longstanding therapy, but I think that sometimes, you know, 
the smart ones in the world know the extent to which their powers are and that an extent to which they need to get help. And it's, it's, it's a nice thing. You know what I call like there are different sizes to a problem. There's a small size to a problem that you take care of by yourself. A middle-sized problem is you just need help. Like you just ask for help. You tried. Yeah. And then a large problem is that you get professional help. You need either your help needs help. Every problem falls into a, into a size. So just divvy up like what size it is for your child. And, and that should be your guide. Um, you know, people ask me all the time. They're calling. Like, yeah, I just, just for two seconds. Can I just like pick your brain for two seconds? And sometimes it is a two second thing. And sometimes it's like, no, I think you need to make an appointment. Like this thing isn't going to just go away by itself. So, you know, again, um, it depends on how extreme the child is really taking to whatever it is that's, that's going on. Right. Right. For sure. So when you, when you say about changing the channel, could you give a tangible example that parents could do for their kids? Sure. So um, either in the form, like it depends on how your kid is. Right. So um, sometimes I have a kid draw it out, like, okay, so draw out what you think, you, you know, what you saw. And then once they drew, drew, you know, kind of drew whatever it was, I say, okay, so, and that's the scary part. Okay. So now let's add a different element, right? Mm-hmm. So let's add, so, wow, those bad guys seem really bad. How about if we add like, you know, either the good guys and we make them really strong or like on their, on their gun, maybe like, maybe a banana is going to come out. Like, something that's just going to like take it down a notch. Now, am I minimizing what they saw? No, but do they have to have such a vivid, like really horrible way? If you just turn it a little bit, right, it, it changes. Or what, you know, once upon a time, there was, you know, these horrible people who did horrible things. It's true. But then what then happens? Like th- the story doesn't end there. Okay, part two, let's bring in the good guys. Like, let's do the empowerment part. I wouldn't want to watch a movie. I don't know about you, but like Marvel wouldn't do very well if it was just all about the bad guy, right? So add the elements of the good guy. So what does the good guy do? What's going to happen next, right? Like, let's make it into something that's going to be like, and the good guys live happily ever after the end. It doesn't have to be like all the only bad. So, you know, that's what I mean by change the channel or change the genre. It's not just like the saddest thing, you know, and like you end up, I hate those movies, by the way. Like I yes. really, you know, like there should not be a, like a movie that ends sad. Like, come on. Right, I, I right. for so long and this is what I get at the end. Right so, right. so I think it's the same kind of thing. It's your channel. It's your TV or it's your um, kosher phone. Do something with it, you know, that that is going to like just have a different type of feeling at the end. I love that. That is, that's like such a great idea and super helpful. I'm sure parents are going to find that super helpful. And also even we could do that as adults, you know, it's such a great idea. Oh my goodness. Like someone was telling me actually that they had this thing for, um, you know, a prayer, uh, get together and they set up beautifully and literally like nobody showed. So in their head, it was like, oh my goodness, like I have no friends or you change the channel. And it's like, oh, you know what? Like, you know what? It, it, it's the kind of thing that, you know, people are busy or if we, if we change the narrative in our lives, then we allow for disappointment to happen where it doesn't bring us down to the umph degree. And it also allows us to have a different, a different perspective, make it feel okay. And so life is not going to be horrible. It's going to be, you know, a uh, 
a roller coaster. And that's very different. You know, I, I don't, I, yeah, I say always like not the haunted house, the roller coaster, it's okay, right? And so, yeah, we oftentimes have to change the narrative of what happens to us or what we've experienced or life situations in a way that is much more handleable. Um, and, and I do believe that if you think about it in a positive way and you like really want it to go more positively, it might not create, you know, the positive result, but you're more likely to get a positive result. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Cause you really create your, cause then you end up doing the actions that create the story that you've been thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I just wanted to ask you, you know, there's obviously there's this like tension in the air and people are stressed, especially in Israel. When I was there, you know, the adults were like whispering and like the kids don't know what's going on, but like they're smart. Children are smart and they could feel the tension in the air. So what's your opinion about that? Like, do you think that parents should say something to their kids or keep like whispering tensely? You know what I mean? (laughs) So I can tell you like the whispering is not the best way that I would go with it. Um, I do think that everybody on their level, I think that parents should know like, okay, this is what my child's up to. This is how smart my child is. This is my age of the child and speak to them on that level. It's very, very weird for our child who knows that like something's up to be like no everything's great like that's <laughs> off-putting like do I look like an idiot to you kind of thing right but by the same token those parents that are like okay let me tell you the statistics and tell you exactly like every little detail and how many people got like that is not helpful either so you have to dumb it down based on the age but to like negate that it's there is not helpful a kid doesn't feel good to be 30 right? It doesn't, but a kid doesn't feel good if you don't recognize that, you know, that they are a living, breathing, smart individual too. And so that's the balance, like I'm talking about. It's always about the balance, right? So, you know, just like you wouldn't get, you know, allow for a four-year-old to wear high heels and a pocketbook or, you know, with lipstick and like, you know, and go on their merry way. So too, like, it's not okay for parents to give their kid too much information, but not to acknowledge that there's something in the air your, your kids look to you, hopefully, for guidance and for an understanding that like, what, what, what's going on? So to negate that anything is going on is just ridiculous. You know, I had, I was in Israel and, you know, the sirens would go off and we would be in the, and we would have to go to the bomb shelter. Yeah. And there were those parents that were calming their kids down. And, you know, I was listening to what they were saying and they were saying like, um, you know what, this is, this is for emergency purposes and we have to be safe and this is the safest place in the entire hotel and then there were the other parents that were like I don't know what you're talking about like this is music this is great music let's like let's dance to the beat and I'm like oh my gosh like even a four-year-old isn't gonna buy into that (laughs) and there were then there were other parents that are like another missile has just been hit and it is the iron dome and I'm and I was thinking I'm like too much, too little, and just right. Like this is where it's where it's at, and this is again, it goes back to that balance. Life is about a balance, and it's so important to make sure that the messages that you're giving are age appropriate and developmentally appropriate. And there are so many great organizations lately that have been giving advice to parents. I know Ohel, for example, like they literally hand, you know, like spoon feed you. Go under these pretenses, say it this way, you know, even if you go online and just say, how do I say, or, you know, like, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, 
how do I say, you know, this for a five-year-old? Like, there, you have to think along those lines in order to, like, be that parent or just, you know, that, that sense, that, that guiding light, you know, under these very, very trying circumstances. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And it's, I want to go back to the adults thing for a second, because I was just thinking about how we're all dealing with the stress in different ways. And especially those of us who were there in the bomb shelters dealing with that, you know, that's one, that's one form of PTSD. Um, but then there's also just people here who are feeling so scared because they have family there or just the state of the world. And I'm seeing that, you know, people, some people are reacting by listening to like depressing music and just like wallowing for like days on end and other people are trying to like snap out of it. So I'm curious to hear from your perspective, like, is there a, you know, a healthy way of doing this or is it more, you know, if you feel sad, like let yourself feel sad and get out of it, you know, like what's your opinion? Right. All right. So I think that it's really important, again, to find the balance, and it depends on just how intensely you're feeling it. Like, I'm not going to tell a person that has, uh, you know, 10% on their phone, you know, like their juice, that they should be running a marathon. But by the same token, I do believe, you know, just like in the morning, I'm a big believer that you should, you know, put yourself together. Um, and sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, you don't, if you can't do everything, a whole routine, but you should do enough to send the message to your brain. Like, I care about how I'm going to go on today and I can do it and I'm valuable. So whatever that, whatever that routine is, I feel like you have to do a routine of some sort to say, like, I am going to maximize my day and, and do it in such a way that like, I feel that I can get back to myself. So for some that might be like, okay, so I'm going to just do exercise in the morning. And even while I'm exercising, I can, you know, watch some of the news or I can, you know, lend myself to, you know, speaking about it or talking out my feelings. But like, I do believe that you have to get into some level of a routine that gives to yourself so that you can like handle the challenge, whatever come what may. And if you give to yourself, the message that you send is I'm valuable. I've got this. I can do it. And then in that way, you will be able to handle more of whatever, you know, of whatever the challenge and whatever the day is. Now, there are some people that are really traumatized by all this. I think sleep and nutrition and just, you know, and, and having your, a calm mantra is very important, but like, you can also do more if you, if you're not traumatized by it. And it is important to have a routine of some sort that says I'm valuable. I've believe that the day is going to be productive. I feel good about what's going to happen. And, and you know, to, to each his own and how, how they do that. The messages that you send your brain are the loudest, whatever it might be, because they're like, literally, it's like right by the microphone. So if you send a positive message, you're going to believe it a lot more. And if, if you're feeling positive, then whatever's going on around you is going to be a lot more manageable. Right, right. For sure. I love this. Okay. Let's talk about beauty. Let's go to, um, the beauty, uh, discussion. And uh, it's so funny because I know I mentioned this before we started talking, before we started recording that you're this beautiful child psychologist and you're super fashionable. And I would love to go back a little bit because a huge part of our brand is about creating visibility for all women and helping people really feel truly beautiful inside and out. So my question for you is, have you 
ever struggled with, with loving any part of yourself in regards to physical beauty, let's say? So I have to be honest, like there's something that I'd like to do every single day. And that is, I take the word beauty and I remind myself uh, very, like I told you, I'm all about acronyms. So beauty stands for to me. And I literally say this like two or three times a day. It's the blending of the external, right? The B is blending. E is external. A is and. U is the underneath. T is together to create you. And I, I literally feel like internally and out and externally, like that's what beauty is really all about. And so, but it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that it has to be in your consciousness because I feel like everywhere, you know, from my childhood to the messages that are being sent, like if you're a detail oriented person, like I am, so you notice things and you're going to notice things with on yourself. You're going to notice things in other people. And you want to, I like to channel that, you know, but by the same token, if you're going to be scrutinizing, like that's a negative. So if you, I like to focus on the most important part. And I feel like beauty is the kind of thing where it's really like, it's an internal and it's an external, um, you know, and, and it's, it's even in an equation. I, I hear the like, it has to do with symmetry of like features and all that nonsense. Like I could tell you right now. So there's one piece of like, okay, you know, I, I don't generally share this, but I will. I, I was born after many years of late, like many hours of labor, like a ton of labor. And when I came out, my head was literally askew. Like one eye was like closed and that like, and for a very long time, like I just, it was like asymmetrical. And, um, and, you know, there are not that many pretty p baby pictures of me. I can tell you right now. Like, <laughs> and, and I had like really, 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 really curly hair as a kid. And like, so all of these things that are not exactly like the standard gorgeous features. And I think that like, you know, all of those things. And I remember even, you know, they would look in the carriage and whatever, or like when I was younger and they'd be like, she looks like she's going to be smart when she's older you know like it wasn't like you're cute and I, happen, and I happen to be part of a very happen to be a happen to be part of a really beautiful family like the, hands down thank god they're they're really like really very handsome and beautiful people and so I think that like I can't imagine that that didn't in some way like absorb into my psyche and absorb into like you know the importance of maintaining a certain look I like to maintain a certain look, but I think it's just also part of a routine of, you know, I, I even, you know, rem, I'm from a family where women are, you know, are, are fashionable and they care and they present themselves well. My grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. And when she came to this country, she had a dressmaker and she would buy her own fabric and like, and, and, and have it made like, and that was after the war, you know, like she yeah. could have said, you know what? I just don't think that this is my thing, but it was always a level of elegance and a presentation and like a beauty. So I think that that, I think that my background definitely, you know, it, it's in the gene pool. Um, uh, but, but I do believe that like sending the right message of what beauty really is, is important. Like we were saying about the balance, like I don't want that anything that I do is only about the external beauty. You know, um, some of my followers asked, 
and I was so uncomfortable with this, but I did it anyway, that on Monday, like, so I, you know, what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Was it? And like, I wanted to be accessible. Like you said, like, I want to give over as much as I possibly can. If I could be helpful, like I'm a, I'm a working mom, like my clothing, I'm literally wearing it from 6am to like crazy hours at night. Like it has to be comfortable and functional. And, and like, and I want to look nice and I have meetings. So I do want to give over, but I only do it on Mondays. Mondays you'll get what I'm wearing. Otherwise, if you ask me and you, whatever you private message me, I guess I'll tell you, but I'm not even comfortable with that. You know, like, you know, um, because there's a balance. I don't want that what my message, like if I'm giving over a message and the person the whole time is like, so what wig are you wearing? Like that just doesn't feel comfortable. But by the same token, I, I put time and effort into what I wear and it, it is meaningful and it's an artistic expression. I love fashion. It's my artistic expression. Like I have a very serious job and that's, that's a balance for me. Like I love you know, putting together things and creating and, and all that good stuff and having different ways. Like that's fun for me. And it's in my artistic expression. But if I'm like wanting to be judged internally and externally and people are like, just, I don't care what you have to say. Can you just like, tell me where you got your wig? Yeah, not my first choice. I'll take it. But that's, that's how I feel about beauty. <laughs> totally got it. Like you're not going to be the one posting your OTTs like every day. So but I, you know, listen, it's it's very flattering and it's lovely, but, um, but you know, it's funny. I have this patient and she's a really great baker. Like she's amazing. And she bakes these pies and she gives them out all the time. And every once in a while, the pies like don't come out good. And she'll be like really upset. And my famous line with her, I'm like, are you an apple pie? Like if you are, like if you're a pie, then be really upset. But like, if you're, if you're a multi- faceted person that this one element is not like okay so it didn't work out so well so I'm hopeful that you know that the messages that I give off like it's multifaceted do I love fashion and beauty and all that good stuff yes but like I'm saving it for Mondays because that's just not where I feel like I could be as helpful and um and it's just not my thing in the world right right for sure oh I love that okay that's so cool happens to be that from watching you, I could tell right away that you are, that you're into fashion in a healthy way, obviously, but that, you know, cause you're so fashionable and fun to watch. I'm like, I, I don't think consciously I was thinking like, let me see what she's wearing. But when I do watch your stuff, I'm like, Oh, like that's what she's wearing today. I'm listening to what you're saying. Don't get me wrong <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and learning, but it's interesting. Like seeing the, that, um, combination. Cause you don't always see that. You know what I mean? Listen, when we created, when I created Gobi Society, which is the, you know, the, um, you know, the Instagram platform and, and online presence, it took a long time to get the graphics because I wanted it to be pretty. I wanted it to be something that was pleasing to the eye because I like that. And my office, when people come in, I like them to say, oh, wow, this is a warm, inviting. I like the space. Like, I like how it is. Because I think it's all part of, like I said, beauty is internally and externally. It's not just one. So I do, I like the whole package. Um, and it that's what represents me. But I also reflect that, you know, not everybody is into it. Not everybody cares. Um, and, you know, and, and that's cool too, you know, to each his own. But I think that my my branding is like, you know, the weight, the packaging is really important. So we go right. For sure, for sure. And that's your beautiful, like, Combina everyone has their own, uh, you know, combination that makes them unique, 
even if it seems like you're doing something that a lot of other people are doing, like there are so many psychologists, but who you focus on, you yourself as a person, like everything that your special blend is what makes you stand out. So, you know. Right. In my profession, we call it the superpower, right? Like right, right. Find their superpower, and your superpower is yours, and and you know that that's that's what's most empowering is that you know what it is and you use it to your best capability. Yes, exactly, exactly. I love it. So I want to end off with a couple last things. Let's start off with um, part of our brand is really making helping all women feel visible. So you know we all have moments in our lives when we feel invisible. We just don't feel seen or heard, whatever it is. Do you have any advice for women who sometimes feel invisible? Uh, my big platform is when you're not feeling good about yourself, go and help somebody else. I think that when you're relevant to somebody else, when you feel like someone else noticed you because you've helped them, or there's always going to be someone who's needy. Um, and I do a lot of work with a lot of different things. And I have a ton of platforms of just like helping and giving and doing. So I think that when you're helpful, it allows you to feel good and then you, your visibility comes back. But like I said, you know, that's the first thing. That's externally. Internally, it's very hard, but we got to shift that message. What do you mean invisible? No, you're not. Absolutely not. Or that's amazing. Like that's your superpower. You could be invisible. Like that's totally cool <laughs> because I can't be invisible. I wish I could. Like sometimes I think it would be great. But again, like it's a message that you send your message is most important. And I would say like, think of ways that you can change that narrative in your head so that you can be visible. And even with 10% juice, things change. Like, you know, you plug in for 10% and now you're, now you're functional. Um, and these things build in and, and they definitely, you know, they change it up. Um, but, but always to remember you're not alone. Like a lot of people feel that way. All people, it doesn't matter if they're on social media, cause that's totally like, not true. Um, or, you know, or in real life, like you're one of many, everyone feels that way sometimes. Like it, it, it happens. It happens hormonally. It happens just, you know, life, life, you know, it, it's a combination of a lot of different things and, and there are ways to get through it either with help or, you know, or like I said, some of these just knee jerk responses that, that are not so hard to do by yourself. Um, if you do need help, get help. Yeah. Help, like put that visibility cloak on. And if you can't do it, then find someone who can help you to do it. Love that. And I love your idea. I know you've mentioned this a couple of times about focusing on other people. It happens to be that I remember years ago, I was speaking with an older friend of mine about how people are always surprised to hear that I'm an introvert because I just like, I'm good. I'm good in social settings, but inside internally, I'm like really anxious, right. In new, in new situations. And I remember telling a friend of mine this, and she said, you know, when you're in a situation like that, you go to a party, you don't know anyone, whatever it is, then instead of focusing on yourself, try to make other people feel comfortable. Like just meet, like make other, be, be warm and, and friendly and to, and just focus on the other person. And then you're going to forget about yourself and you'll automatically feel comfortable. And I tried doing it and it really works. And to this day, I still do that. Yep. 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 I oftentimes recommend, like, especially for people who are afraid to fly, focus on another person who like help, help them. And you're going to see, like, you're not going to be afraid and it really works. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. For sure. Okay. So I have one last question for you. 
which is the question that I like to ask everyone at the end. And that is, if you had one message to give over to the next generation of women, what would that message be? Um, you are incredibly amazing. You are the kingpin in the society and it's amazing what you do. We balance more as, as, as women than is like even conceivable. You should feel so proud. And the only reason that we're getting to the next generation is because of you. So keep up what you're doing. Everyone's got a superpower. You're clearly in the right, you're in the right uh, population of, of superheroes. Find your superpower, use it to everybody's advantage. And in that way, we can continue to be the super amazing people that we are. Yes, I love that. Okay. And um, Dr. B, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? So gobysociety.com or at Gobi Society um, or, um, you know, and I think through that you guys can get my, uh, like all of my uh, you know, details of the office and stuff. So, um, so on Instagram, on my, you know, email and, um, and, uh, and then I, of course I maintain a, an office in, in Woodmere, New York. Awesome. Yeah. And all of that information is going to be in the show notes. So we'll link that uh-huh. there. And thank you so much for joining me today. This was so thank nice to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my new friend. So nice to see you. Awesome. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Defiance Beauty BN and on our website, defiancebeauty.com. If there is a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 